0: Sup Freaks It's your boy Marty here to introduce this RIP 355 of TFTC. Great RIP. rip makes me very bullish. Uh, the stuff that's going on in the Lightning Network is insane. And there's very competent builders coming to the Bitcoin Lightning stack to, to bring consumer usable products to market. I sat down with Jared off uh, from MASH. To talk about what they're building and a bunch of other things. Very stimulating conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. Okay. This trip was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. We're draining the exchanges, freaks. Get your coins off of a centralized exchange and into a two or three multi sig vault with Unchained. Uh, they're running a deal. Uh, they're waving for the vault product for the concierge onboarding for the vault. They're waving the Uh, $1,000 Bitcoin purchase for anybody who doesn't want to do that immediately uh, and they're just going with a $250 uh, setup fee and concierge onboarding experience. Uh, If you use the code TFTC you're going to get $50 off bring that down to $200 uh, and they're also uh, dropping uh, the onboarding onto their IRA down to $250 and also offering $50 off uh, that um, that onboarding concierge experience as well, uh, using the code TFTC. With the IRA, you'll still have the setup fee if you decide to set it up. Um, But their consultations uh, are significantly reduced with this deal. We're draining the exchanges, freaks. It's time. Don't let these centralized third-party exchanges hold your Bitcoin. You really have Bitcoin IOUs single points of failure. We've seen Celsius get rugged, Voyager get rugged. 3AC, rugged the world. Don't get rugged. Drain the exchange. Make sure that you're holding your own keys, unchained, and their Vault product allow you to do that and have uh, peace of mind. I'm a customer. I'm a happy customer. And I have the peace of mind. Join me in the peace of mind world. Drain the exchange. Promo ends September 8th. Use the code TFTC. You'll get $50 off. Go to Unchained.com slash concierge. This was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. Brains is here. uh, To just make you a better miner at the end of the day. Uh, They have the Brains OS Plus firmware, which helps you idiot-proof your mining operation. If you have an ASIC that's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you're an idiot because you're leaving Sats on the table. If you download Brains OS Plus firmware... On an ASIC that's compatible with it, it's going to help you stack more sats. Only idiots don't stack more sats. So Brains is here to help idiot-proof your mining operation. They also have Brains Pool. It'll be officially Brains Pool in about 11 days here. Uh, the oldest mining pool in Bitcoin's existence still going strong. They're working on Stratum V2 to further distribute the mining pool layer. Uh, yeah. Go check it all out, brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Not only do they have all these products, if you use BrainsOS Plus Firmware and you point in at Brains Pool, 0% pool fees, and then go check out insights.brains.com too uh, for all your mining data uh, and calculator needs. Mister, it was also brought to you by our good friends at HODL, HODL. HODL, HODL, is here to bring you a lending platform that's peer-to-peer, no KYC, no AML. Uh, what you do is you put your Bitcoin up, as collateral on a two or three multi sig escrow, you hold one key, your counterparty in the loan holds one key, and HODL HODL holds the third key. Since you have one key, you have visibility into the escrow account so you know that your sats aren't being rehypothecated. And if you're paying your stablecoin loan back plus the interest, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. Yeah, and Bitcoin up and two or three multi sig escrow as collateral, you get stable coins of return. You go spend those. Uh, and as long as you're paying that back plus the interest, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. Reminder no KYC, no AML, go to lend dot hodl, hodl dot com, peer to peer baby. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at Upstream Data. Upstream Data is here uh, to basically take care of your mining needs, whether you're an at home miner or uh, a company that's mining at scale, upstream on the oil field at a utility. For the at home miners, they have their black boxes which allow you to put miners in a box, mine at your house, outside your house, ideally. Uh, you close the box and it takes care of the sound and it's heat controlled to make sure that your miners aren't burning out. Uh, it really is a much needed uh, tool if you're mining at home, especially if you're worried about your wife or your HOA being concerned about the noise. Asics are really loud. They go, But put the Asics in the black box. You close the black box and it goes from Woo! to shh, shh, shh. it's a beautiful thing. Use the code freaks. You'll get five percent off a black box, uh, and they're also selling black box bundles. So if you want to get Asics as well, Upstream will help you do that. Go to shop.upstreamdata.ca to check out the black box. And then on the back end, if you're an industrial miner, if you're an oil and gas operator, utility company who's making a lot of profits as energy prices are going up, you're looking to diversify into uh, an alternative revenue stream. Uh, Bitcoin mining is there for you, and Upstream Data is here to build out the infrastructure for you. you get the data centers. You'll get the generators. You'll get the miners. I'm a happy customer of their hash shut. have a 50-kilowatt hash shut. that has been running flawlessly uh, for many months now, at least, uh, coming up on a year. Uh, no problems at all. Just have to change the oil. Uh, Steve just posted a picture of their first ever Bitcoin mine that got released in the oil field five years ago. Still producing Bitcoin today. Uh, still chugging where it was initially launched. Uh, it, these things are very durable. Upstream's building. With miners in mind, they know what they're doing. Very high-quality product. Uh, go to upstreamdata.ca. Tell them that TFTC sent you if you're going to get a hash hut. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at Join Health. Excuse me, CrowdHealth. You go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC. You'll see the special deal that we have running with them, which is if you use the code TFTC, you're going to get your first six months of payments for your Crowd Health community. Uh, down to 99 dollars a month. it's a significant discount and what what are we doing here? Crowd health is an alternative to health insurance. It's not health insurance so it's uh, community funded health care. So what you do is you sign up for a crowd health account like I my family did uh, and you pay a monthly fee and that goes into a dedicated bank account that you control and you can always uh, take the money out of whenever you see fit. Uh, you build that account up. if you ever have a medical expense, you tell crowd health hey I'm going to the doctor they say all right, get the bill. Show it to us. You, you get the bill. You show it to Crowd Health. They go. They negotiate with the doctor. And then, if you do have to pay an expense, all you do is you pay the first five hundred dollars, and then uh, the bill goes out to the community, and that gets crowdsourced. You get Crowd Health. One hundred percent of the the bills that have come to Crowd Health have been funded by the community. Um, and again, I think this is a, a beautiful way to uh, have more sovereign, more transparent interactions with the healthcare system. The fact that uh, you have a dedicated health advocate at crowd health is really reassuring i have one person that i talk to in regards to my family uh, when we're doing um, any of our healthcare needs uh, i am able to hit up maggie say hey uh, here's what we need how can like how should we go about this and they're there it's personal it's not just some call center it's not a black box like health insurance they're there to fight for you to lower your healthcare costs at the end of the day it's a very uh, incredible model in my opinion i'm very happy to be a crowd health customer myself Uh, go to joincrowdhealth.com slash tftc to check it out and see how it all works enjoy this rip freaks
1: you've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free if you talk about a fed just gone nuts all all the central banks going nuts so it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably
0: should be. You probably should be. Up there. I came back for this week. I'll fly back Sunday. Then I got to go to Latvia next week. What's in Latvia? Oh, is that the um, is it a conference or yeah, the Baltic Honey Badger Conference. Should be a good one. HODL HODL team's thrown. I been. I went in 2018. It was very very high signal. This is... It's like... It's like Amber Alert knows when we're going live, car. They just get
1: random. I was in Latvia. maybe... I was probably there around the same time, but didn't know anything about Bitcoin, like, effectively. Um, traveling, but the, the Baltic states, like Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania are awesome. They're beautiful. You get time. Yeah. I mean, Riga, where the conference
0: is... It's a very interesting town because it's like uh your quintessential quite essential European brick paved road with like very tight roads you can walk through. And then it's just mixed in with like brutalist Soviet architecture. It's just like a hodgepodge of uh communist and capitalistic uh architecture.
1: Yeah, it's uh and also just the, the timing of the develop like development for it. I, I long time ago I did a bunch of studying on like how different cities evolved and like whether there's like rivers or it's an island or this or like the distance to get like fresh milk and eggs it's like oh we had a wheelbarrow city could expand this far this is the size of the streets we can do a horse carriage now we're going this way and so like you look at all these cities and it's it's so interesting or like YLA LA because there's no like rules on what you could build anywhere yeah so just full sprawl no, um, that's something I
0: uh I got really into a couple of years ago we had Chuck Marone from Strong Towns on, and he wrote the book, Strong Towns, basically diving into the subject, like how do you build a strong town from the literal physical design of the city and then utilizing that, that space to eke out as much revenue as possible per square foot. And in the beginning of Strong Towns, the book that he wrote, He's from Minneapolis, and he essentially described how Minneapolis became to be a city. It was just a bunch of lumberjacks hopped off a chain, started cutting down trees, and then they had to build housing for themselves, and they built a post office, then a
1: bank, and then it turned into Minneapolis. I didn't know that about Minneapolis. I'm just thinking about, it's like it was probably the St. Lawrence water, Waterway, which is like why Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, they're all the sort of the same waterway with the lock system, but then it's also where all the farms were and then we just decide to pave over all the good at topsoil. <laughs> it's, it's like the yeah.
0: Well, it's the the rot of fiat. It destroys money, but then destroying the money destroys the uh incentive to build strong towns and build for the long term. Yep. And drives regulatory capture. Yes. We're finding that out very uh very aggressively right now. It's like uh are we are we live? Yeah, not? we've been live for like five minutes. Oh, fair enough. I had no idea. We like to ninja launch it on people.
1: There we go. I was like, I was waiting for the for the go ahead. Yeah,
0: car car sneakily went like this.
1: Oh, I had no idea. He'll, he'll just hey, do everyone. that.
0: Car will just will just sneak in on you. if he sees we're having a conversation. He's like, all right, we're going live. Cool. All right. If you guys are not sitting down uh, with Jared Noosenoff from uh, Mash. What's going on, dude? You said you didn't get it. You weren't in Bitcoin in 2018 yet?
1: I was not. I had, I want to say probably three touch points with Bitcoin um, before I really like dug in and looked at it beyond just the surface level of what is this thing. So there was once in like maybe 2012 when I was at Google and another product person came up to me. He's like, have you seen this Bitcoin thing? Maybe it was 2011, 2012, something like that. What do you think about it? And I like to believe that I was smart enough to say, I don't know anything about this. So I can't really comment, but there's something probably interesting here, or maybe something to that effect. I'm probably giving myself way too much credit. And then it was maybe even like 2017 when it was ripping up, and I'm just like, and it's like taxi drivers are talking about it to me. I'm like, okay, this means FOMO. I still don't know what this is, but it's also been around for this long, so there's probably something here. And then um, I actually left tech for a few years, was running sort of a real world style travel business, and that got I want to say pandemic right. <laughs> uh, international long form travel in Canada, cross provincial borders, already tons of regulatory capture. And then I just spent, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna spend the next like three to six months figuring out anything I can about all these things I've heard about that I haven't had time to really dig into. And then it was sort of, once I read about, um, really dug into what Bitcoin was, I was actually like, I'd go on like walks for three hours and listen to TFTC, like lots of old different things with different topics, like different, uh, guests. And a, a bunch of other stuff. It was reading, you name it, books across Bitcoin, started messing around with all the lightning apps that existed then. And it was like, it was a holy shit moment. It's, this is all I'm working on for the rest of my life. And then you mapped it back to all my different experiences with like how different content was monetized, the trustworthiness, the quality of it, all the incentive structures that drive a lot of the behavior and a lot of reasons why certain th- exist, things exist in the way that they are and um, sort of went down the journey of now just building MASH. Yeah. And it was sort of like, it just like every single time, it's just like you hit one piece, like, oh, we can do this. Oh, we can do this. Oh, this means that. And sort of sort of fell into place.
0: Yeah. So MASH is, for you freaks who are unaware, it's a product that I'm very interested in because I've been toying around with this stuff too, which is monetization of content using the Lightning Network on the web. And you guys have built a pretty robust, uh, how would you describe it? Because um, you got wallet infrastructure, you got API calls. It's essentially making it so you can monetize any type of content.
1: Yeah, it's it's like and beyond content. It's bigger than content too. Yeah. Well, we wanted so there's like the like what's our guiding principle is sort of we want to remonetize the web, and then we want to do that with Sound Money and Lightning because it also has the best technical properties and monetary properties to be able to do that. So programmable, scalable, trust minimized, censorship resistant sendable anywhere around the world. Um, it has clarity in terms of what it is in the space and there's embedded density. Like you can use Bitcoin in a variety of different ways everywhere. So you have this all interoperability. Um, so that's sort of why Bitcoin and Lightning. Um, and in terms of our service offering, so you can look at it today. So, like, so what do we want to do? We want to enable anyone to charge for anything to earn their value properly. And so that's like sort of like an abstract concept. And what does that mean? So let's say you're a creator, a mini app developer, you want to build a platform for, for really like a marketplace for sharing content, for communities, you name it online. We want to say, Hey, we want you to be able to charge for all these different types of experiences, whether it's a content reveal of something special, whether it's voting for something, what it's to, whether it's to send a message, anything, and then make it easy for anyone to be able to pay and earn both ways. So allow a consumer to say, oh, I now have a wallet I can use it in the site. I trust this site. I trust and can control my money. And um, and I can take and move it out in and out wherever I want and then make it the easiest way possible to do this for different people. So, oh, I'm a consumer. I don't have lightning. How do I get it? Buy a wallet, get some lightning, and then you can load it up with any different platform or service back into it. Oh, I don't want to use MASH wallets for X, Y and Z. Send it out. And then if I'm a creator, it's like, here's 10 different pre-built things you can use. There'll be a lot more. Let anyone build things that can use the platform, like completely agnostic from us in many ways. And just help facilitate that relationship. So we're in many ways, like wallet provider, a coordination of, like, I want to say content payment system between parties. And then a platform to build on top of. It's sort of the ways I'd like to describe it.
0: Yeah. I mean... Considering you took the deep dive a few years ago that have come out and built this product, it's pretty impressive. I mean, like you said, you've dedicated your life to it. Is this, yeah. is MASH building on stuff that you're working on when you were at Google or in the tech sector? What were you building there?
1: So, um, actually, that's part of the reason why I left tech for a few years is that Google, I joined in 2010, it'd be like, I think it was April and I joined on the strategy side because I, I was a consultant for a few years at of school. I'm more of a business background than technical background. I have done technical things, but I'm not a software developer. Um, and, but after that I did a bunch of work in display ads. So location formats, tracking, targeting across the stack. So it's like, what do you want to do? It's like, Oh, let's add more zip codes. Can we legally do it? Sure. Okay. Like that doesn't feel so good, but you can target ads better for certain segments. Um, And then it was make like ad formats that work for your local gardener, your local plumber. How do they actually buy an ad that works for them? So it doesn't go to like one big roll up private equity company that bought all of them and now becomes the middleman on the middleman, right? Google's the best middleman of all time. Let's just layer on another one that leverages Google then take all the money from people who are doing the actual work, who are producing the productive members of society. And so we're trying to help them do it directly, which is a very, very hard problem to do. Um, and solve, not just technically, but also from a sales and go-to-market perspective. But yeah, I guess what I learned there, sorry, that was a long rant on that. But what I learned in that piece was all of the places these ads were showing. The quality and content, like I experienced it from my personal hobbies and interests, but it's like, oh, it's like, we're just gonna go on an SEO farm site, toss these ads in. People are not getting quality content, but that's how they're monetizing because they can trigger SEO and get all the volume. So it sort of leads to a corruption of content online. And then from there, I spent a bunch of time doing mobile apps for Google Fiber. So a lot of consumer experiences to understand how people understand and use products. Like I'd go literally, I think I actually did it once in Austin, probably 2016, Mm -hmm. where I like would go to people's houses and watch them use our apps and how they use them on their own or how they use them to engage with the TV. So it was a TV product. And and just like, just understanding how people think and when they use products and what they want. And definitely what we're building at MASH builds on top of that, but I'm learning every single day, um, like beyond that. Like you have to know your specific use case, your specific users. It's, there's no like general concept. It's all like, what can you do for these specific people? That's amazing. Yeah. And how do you think,
0: based on your experience with the ad world and the product world at Google now, building MASH and leveraging Bitcoin and Lightning, you mentioned like the SEO farming and the perverse incentives of the ad model. How does Bitcoin and Lightning switch these incentives uh, over across
1: the uh, experience on the web in your mind? So if we start, I'd like to start with the problem is that to make money online, there's sort of, let's just simplify it into two models. You have ads, which means you need millions of users to show up to your site. And it generally means you need to break, uh, like sort of break the algorithm for SEO. You have to find a way to beat it. And people at large companies are spending tons of time to beat that. Um, and you still have a challenge if it could be niche or it could not relate to as many people. And then it, it just won't monetize that way. So that the alternative is let, um, let's charge for it, right? Let's do subscriptions. Let's do prepay. Let's, let's bundle it. And that makes sense for lots of things. Like if you can do that for certain products, I think that does make sense. Now there's always this concept of freemium or try before you buy. And you can, if you have money, and so now what does Bitcoin provide us with Lightning? You have money in a site, in a website, in an app. That's not just um, enter a credit card. It has to be $20. It's I can stream 5 cents or a hundred sats, whatever your unit of account for how you think about it. But you now have money in it so it's um let's say let's look at a parallel it's think of like the arcade Mm
0: -hmm. okay been to a lot of arcades this summer
1: okay the original arcade is like you have quarters in your pocket you put your quarters in the machine you play the game you leave and you're happy use your money you go buy you know some barbecue down the street whatever you want um, I'm just thinking of barbecue because we're staying right near Terry's, and my my <laughs> my entire room is literally just smells like a brisket, and I love it. But I'm also hungry all the time and eating way too much. Um, and so now, this model is also in many ways has been has sort of been proven online in a sort of roundabout way. Um, if you think of like the app store originally with with iOS, like people wouldn't buy an app for ten bucks because you didn't know what you were going to get. You'd look at the reviews. You can't trust the reviews, right? Mm -hmm. You look at the commentary online. Majority of the time, you can't really trust that too, because of those perverse incentives with ads. And, um, and then they came up with this concept of, you know, we'll give you the game, a bunch of it for free. And then you have to buy tokens in the game. You can use it in the game. It's sort of like in-app payments for games, right? And, but because the reason why I worked for games was you could get a minimum love for that thing. And they'd also trick you with like casino style strategies, right? Which, is, which isn't good. There's always unintended consequences um, with these things. Um, but now you could say, oh, I'll load up and I'll use $10 with the credits and I'll use it. There's still a purchase commitment barrier. But now instead imagine it's like, oh, there's this one really amazing how-to guide of how to run a lightning node connected to my phone in a self-sovereign way. Like here's how to use Zeus. Here's how to get a gun number up. Here's how to use my node. And you could actually earn, whether it's 20 cents a head, 25 cents a head, that is so much more than you're making on ads already. And you don't have that person being like, oh, am I going to buy this course for 80 bucks? Um, because that's a lot of what people have to have to do today. So you can at least create a lot more people that are earning their value and sort of unlock a lot more quality content online that will have their own discovery engines based on that. Because if you know what people are paying for, you generally know it's good. And that can help people discover it, and word of mouth will actually help a ton. Like people go to sources because they are trusted, not through a search engine. Like you look at the results on Google right now; they're they're not good. They're bottom paid for.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, Google's. know you used to work there, I don't want to denigrate your former employer, but it's completely captured by those who are willing to spend and game SEO um, to their advantage.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's always a battle back and forth, but when it depends on what they're focused on, right? It's like vertical verticalized search, which they have tro- they've had trouble being able to enter or buy companies to do. It's like why why did they buy a company to get all the flight data, right? And so, or knowledge graph. There's really good information there, but you want to find like, you know, you get in. Let's make so you get into barbecuing, like right? Like i have been messing around with barbecuing. I'm not just saying that because I'm in Texas. Like I got a, I have a Weber Smoky Mountain. Like trying to find the right sources to be like, wait, should I do the for ribs the three two one method or whatever it is? It's like. Uh, maybe that's a bad example, but... I'm a big fan of
0: the three-two-one method myself.
1: Uh, oh, you've got uh, some critiques. I don't know. I, I haven't perfected my method. I tried <laughs> it once and it was like, I'm like, this is too much work. I'm going to just go to spritz. Um. <laughs> no,
0: it's... Yeah. No, it, it is... I mean... So diving down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. So that's like one... Topic of contention in the content monetization via Lightning Network space. Like we do it on this podcast, Podcasting 2.0. Freaks stream us anywhere from five sats to a couple hundred sats per minute to listen to this. And this comes back to the concept of Nick Zabo's microtransactions and micropayments. Like he doesn't think that that's actually a scalable model or a viable model in the long term because the mental cost of, trying to calculate those micropayments on the go doesn't make sense. I think this may be one of the few areas or topics that Zabo covered that I may disagree with just because I've seen it uh, personally work for our business and the content that I'm producing, whether it be the podcast via Podcasting 2.0 or the newsletter, which we've recently put up a 25-cent paywall um, for some of the newsletters. If I write more than three, anything after three in a week will come with a 25 cent sat paywall um and people are paying it but is that maybe i'm not completely convinced that zabo's wrong but i'm beginning to believe he may be wrong there um and i'm trying to gauge am i i'm a bitcoin focused media company we've been experimenting with the lightning network for four years now which is hard to believe uh is it just confirmation bias bitcoiners are coming to our content and spending because they want to support us um and therefore they may be like it may not be signal in terms of the model actually working out, it may just be a bunch of enthusiasts interacting with us. But once this gets to the broader um gets beyond the Bitcoin bubble and into the broader economy, does it make sense at scale in your opinion?
1: I have a few, I wanna I wanna comment a few things there. Um first of all, I'll I'll start with like what you're saying there just is a community that really enjoys your content that wants to contribute for it and it doesn't have to be bitcoin so you're saying that's a proof point for any community-based experience where there's interaction and engagement and i think so it, uh, whether it's bitcoin or not that might be some of the experimentation to try lightning the first time but continuous engagement that's what that's what you all are doing um and i don't think that's bitcoin specific and the other one is I always, I always, for some reason, I always call it Nick Sabo. I guess it's Nick Sabo. I don't, I've never really heard it.
0: Sabo Zabo goes um, tomato,
1: tomato, But I, I've had this, like, I've had this actually like, article write up. because so I, I was asked about this, I think, in the like, in some of my first pitches or conversations about this. Well, Nick, Nick Sabo says micropayments don't work. And I sort of wrote up this, like, a skeleton of an article, just basically, being, like, Nick Sabo's wrong. And here's his points, and here's exactly why. And I sort of, like, have it sitting there. I'm just not a writer and um, end up not being top of stack. So I think Nick Sabo's wrong. And if you look at the article, and I'm gonna probably butcher it because I haven't read it in probably a few months, um, there's a few points he makes about mental transaction costs. One is um, like the text messaging problem. Like how much am I gonna spend to enjoy all this stuff? I don't know, this is too hard. Okay, I'm not gonna do it. Like usage-based pricing without a cap, sort of like a pre-subscription. And that's solvable with UX, right? You can say after this amount of money, then the rest is free. That's, you know, and that takes away that mental transaction cost. The other one is, oh, the cost of spending, like, I'm trying to think of the example he did where there was like, was it insurance rates or it was like data usage per minute and people can't like, it was like comparing electricity rates and like usage-based pricing versus not and how people don't change their habits with like, are they going to use the dryer in the morning or the afternoon on different pricing, right? That's a very complicated decision for small amount of money with a lot of math, but saying, you know, and sort of trying to make those, those decisions all the time, or like, am I going to pay 25 cents for this one thing? You can solve that with a concept of a budget being like, okay, just pay every single time until I hit this certain amount of money. And then you still have that one mental transaction of, yes, so I'll pay for these things up to this amount. It's a higher amount, but you get the benefit of knowing if I don't like this, I won't keep on paying because I won't use it. I think that's foundational here because you're still making that same big decision, but you have the benefit of knowing you're not committed. Your money's not gone. You're not saying, "Oh, you know that huge commitment barrier of twenty bucks to subscribe per month for something." You have to really, really like it. But instead of being like, "Hey, it's uh, ten cents an email I send you. I'll send you max five a week, and after X amount, then it's free." And like, I didn't know the math didn't didn't work there, yeah. but. So I th- I think he's wrong. I think it's solvable with UX. It's it's been proven in in games already. Um, what are some of those examples? Like think about buying like um I think like Candy Crush tokens, like buying little mods for 10, 20, 30 cents. You're you're buying information, you're buying add-ons, um, buying like the a plate or an MLB the show to like not have to grind for like 80,000 hours. Like this infeasible. You have all these little payments that are that are working yeah what do you think this does
0: i mean i think i agree too i mean Zabo, his content is obviously foundational to a lot of the thinking of bitcoin as a robust robust distributed system and the incentives involved and social scalability but yeah when it comes to micro payments i think just from my experience alone i think the listeners of this podcast and the people interact with the newsletter are are proving that wrong in real time.
1: Yeah. And it's also, this was written so long ago and where the internet isn't, doesn't exist in the way it does today. And so to think of the cases of like, oh, all this community generated content, they have like 50 million, hundred million people creating, creating all these things online, all these mini apps, all these tools, like seeing where you would apply this model. It's like, you could say maybe some of his, his concepts are like applying it to like email services or like API usage. Maybe it doesn't apply there because you're going to spend a large amount of money anyway. So you don't need like programmatic, programmatic streaming money. And so um, like I would say he's wrong. Like maybe he's right in some of those applications he was talking about. But I think he's wrong in where things have, have gone with how content is distributed. Like, what is it? Was it Dickens who was periodicals originally? Like it was serialized content uh, like like every week. Um, this has happened before. It's just, we're sort of shifting back to an unbundled world. Yeah. And
0: what does that mean for the content economy? If you will, what is this going to enable for smaller content producers, for larger content producers? Do you think it, uh, creates a higher quality content overall on the web? Do you think, um, it allows, makes it easier for people to turn their side gig into their main gig?
1: A hundred percent. I think it flips everything. Um, not everything, sorry, that's such a bold, like grandiose statement, (laughs) everything will change. Um, No, uh, I think it unlocks a lot more people to create really high quality content that's about the value they're providing, that's trustworthy and earn a living by doing it. It's really hard to find a niche that you can actually do that. Um, And I think this is a way to do that, or at least be an add-on to, you know, whether it's not the content, whether it's like an interactive or engaging experience. Like you could say... um, I'm trying to think of a few examples. Like, you, like there's lots of little fun things that people can do. Like, let's say you're a certain type of creator. You're like, I'm going to change my avatar to one of these five things. You're going to vote with Sats. Half goes to this charity. The other half goes to me and the winner at this time. And like people can vote, like with any amount. You've never been able to like, that's a different form of spam. spam control. It's interaction spam control, but for like a purpose. And so you can do all these new things that you've never been able to do before that can drive, I think, community relationships and engagement that aren't just like, pay 20 bucks like to get a shout out, right? Like you, I think people can still do, still do that and you can do less of it, but you can do like, you can do a lot more.
0: Yeah. So how how does it work from the content creator's perspective, integrating MASH into their platform? So like we have our site hosted on Ghost. We're using that. Many people are going to be using WordPress. Some, unfortunately, will be using Drupal. Other CMSs, yeah. uh, is it CMS specific? Can it be any type of site is it just a code injection what's it look like
1: if javascript works it will work effectively okay. so you take 10 lines of code like you create an account with us take 10 lines of code copy and paste in your site and now you have a wallet that any mash user that has money anywhere it just is usable now in the site they don't have to download anything they don't have to do anything and if they don't have lightning in there already they can just you know like we said before they can buy a wallet or they can load and send lightning in with a, with an invoice and they can always send it in and out. Yeah. Um, and then you say, let's say you want to wrap certain pieces of content and have it paywalled. You can just like, we have little web components that you can wrap and you basically put your content in there. You can use an SDK that says, like if you're doing server side content, that it pulls it down. And it's, there's a bunch of basically pretty built things you can design and structure how you want. So you could like, we have a, we have a few products like on the donation side. So boosts, I think is interesting where people just click to, every single click is just a 5 cent donation. And you can spam click it. And then you find out which articles, which content people actually like the most. So you can learn what people are um, contributing to you optionally. Sorry, one second. I'm going to have something in my throat. No, it's fine. (coughs) I had uh, I had a coughing fit
0: on the episode that we did yesterday. It was quite embarrassing. Um, Not saying that you're being
1: embarrassed right now. No, I'm just trying to think of like, it's like an itch. Anyways. Um, so let's say you want to have like a behind the scenes, YouTube video, like unlisted YouTube video or, or audio or hosted anywhere. doesn't matter where it's hosted. We can wrap, we'll be able to have, if they have an embeddable player, we'll just create a wrapper around it where you have to pay. And then it, then it starts playing. Um, we have a, yeah, there's a bunch of other things that, that are coming down the line, sort of like, like a community tip jar, just copy and paste it, create your thing, or, um, those voting widgets will create a generalized voting one where you could tag. And have like votes on different things and you have like different leaderboards. So there's lots, but it's like to integrate, it's, you can create basically be like, I want to charge this for lightning articles, this for lightning videos, charge this for Bitcoin, deep dives, charge this for chapters and how to guide. create your pricing scheme. Decide if you want to give a certain amount free per month. Decide if across your site, after people spend this amount, you want to make it free. And then you just copy and paste a few snippets of code where you want them. And that's it. Oh yeah.
0: And then you guys are
1: managing all the lightning liquidity on the back end. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we're handling all of that. Our platform is built in a way, um, to do like be bring your own node across everything. Um, but making that like infrastructure ready and actually really usable is a little bit tricky. Um, but there's, yeah, so it's, we're working on it. Um, so when you say bring your own node, you're, you're going to allow users to. So, so right now, like, um, we're managing the, all the nodes. And you can like, let's say, let's say you earn a hundred bucks with match day. Okay. You could just go in and send it out. We'll have automatic withdrawals. But if we connect it to necessarily to your node, um, making that work, like that's possible. Like we've shown demos. We could do that. We can actually do consumer node. Like, like, let's say, you know, cars paying you like on the site, we can manage that. You both have your own nodes they are all connected. We don't touch anything. We're just coordinating sort of the payment system. Um, but that like, do they have freebies? Did they reach the max amount? What's the price of this <clears throat> sort of talking to everything to manage all the invoices? Like we can technically do that, but having that infrastructure ready right now is pretty tricky. Um, and so, yeah, so long story short is we're managing all the nodes, but we have a pathway to get there. It's yeah. not a big lift. Like we, we can, we have demos of it just to show it off. Like it's, so if people wanted to do that. Like we, we could do it. It's just making that for like anyone can do that you can imagine what happens if the node's down, what happens if pay- payments don't work, what happens if um, there's like liquidity issues mm-hmm. that we can't like make sure are working or then we can have like backup systems that we'd have to build out. But it's all, it's it's not, it's not, uh, we have the problem arc, like solved. We just haven't built it, built it in a production ready way. Yeah. So eventually people will be
0: able to bring their own node and just use MASH as sort of like an invoicing and,
1: um, a relationship manager of sorts yes. like we're like a payment like like a payment coordinator hell yeah and then are you guys
0: as a company focused on accumulating as many sats as possible as well
1: um so i guess there's there's two answers there's personally for me yes um in terms of like company balance sheet is that more the question yeah like are you guys like do we have do we have sats on the balance sheet yes do we have to make sure that we can match like the denomination of our expenses um, and not sort of screw up our runway in case something catastrophic happens? Uh, yes. yes. No, I know. I know. So it's really like what percentage allocation um, and then what runway do we need and are we comfortable with?
0: Yeah, but are you guys, are you guys getting stats flows from the activity? Oh, yes. Users? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, we don't want to, it's not there's a few things, right? Well, we don't want to charge like, Oh, it costs this amount to implement. It's like anyone can sign up and just start using it. Um, and we, you know, and we also want to help users get onto the system to be able to contribute as quickly as possible. And so you have this funny thing of, okay, so buy a wall for 15 bucks and we're going to give you $15 of Bitcoin at this exchange rate at the exact exchange rate. Right. So that you have the exact amount, right. That's your, that's your bonus for being, you know, being an early consumer at MASH. So we make sure that you can get it access. But now if you're like, oh, transaction costs are this, this is that, then like people won't sign up. So we'll eat all the transaction costs, which can be like five plus percent, which isn't a lot, right? What's 5% on 15 bucks? It doesn't matter if it's one user, but if it's 5 million users, then it starts adding up. So we were just trying to get it. So money's flowing through the system. We'll take a percentage and get as many people using it and spending money online as possible.
0: Yeah. What's that? onboarding process for both users and content creators or consumers and content creators been like so far?
1: Um, like in terms of like friction points or.
0: Yeah. Like how, how does, how are you guys getting the, the concept of bash out there? Number one, and then getting people to adopt it. What's that process been like?
1: So um, I'd say the first year was mostly, I'd say product discovery calls, like me talking to people in a variety of spaces, same with other people on the team and making sure we could build out the infrastructure to do a lot of these things in a way that would work with them. Um, so that was a, there was a team of five of us, right? A designer, three engineers um, and myself. Um, recently we've, we like expanded the team um, as we're getting, as like the production as like we're now production ready and we now can integrate and have all these things work and be like easy and not like really, really hard for, for, you know, our users. We have like someone on the business go to market side We've added two more engineers, Um, is that it? I think it's, yeah, it's eight of us. And we built basically, we, we want to build a system that anyone can just sign up and start using MASH. And so in terms of our marketing activities, we're just starting that now. It's really been relationship building conversations and hasn't been really too aggressive on the, let's get everyone on board with MASH, but that's sort of gonna kick up now that we feel we have a compelling product. And the feedback that we're getting from the people we're working with has been really positive. Yeah, what are people saying? Uh, well, I feel like it's like what's on Twitter and like, this is really cool. Um, I think, I think the boost thing, uh, really wows people a lot, especially people who haven't seen lightning is they're like, wait, I just like have money in the internet and I just click the button and I just said, thank you and sent five cents. I'm like, can, they're like, can I get it back? They're like, I'm like, no, but like where that <laughs> was that sent somewhere around the world? Like, like what? And it sort of blows people's mind. Um, I think, yeah. Uh, it's hard because We have like, like, let's say what, like 10 or so sites live. I just need to look, like look back. I don't even know some of them. Um, and we're just, now it's just like, there's a bunch more coming down the line. So we're really excited for it. Yeah. How do you see, how do you see this evolving?
0: Like eventually, cause I think we're still very early. I think, you, I think we said that before we hit record. Lightning's still early. Bitcoin's still early. Lightning's earlier than Bitcoin in its growth phase. But eventually, like in your mind, like what's it going to take to reach that critical tipping point where content creators and users get comfortable with this model? Not only comfortable with it, but begin to prefer it over the traditional model.
1: Time, touch points. Um, they just need to experience it and see it and try it. And it needs to be easy. Like the easiest thing to do. Like as... Easier than loading a credit card into, into something, which is also complicated and a pain still today. Like, uh, and they need to realize that what they're getting is quality and trusted. And I, th- I think it will take some time. Um, and you just, it's, what does it take? It takes, you know, folks like you experimenting with it. It takes the entire community, community of people building with Bitcoin and Lightning to get as many experiences that have a similar model in people's hands so they can see the value of it. They can try it. Um, and, and it'll be, I think it'll become natural. Like I think things are moving, you know, it's like tech, technology and human behavior. It's like, it's changing like very, very, very quickly. It's different than a hundred years ago. Like it, it's very, it's very fast. Um, and once people, sorry, as I go back to it is what was the biggest challenge I think like I've, I had, When when talking about match with people or explaining it, was like, how do you explain this thing? And we've worked very hard in trying to craft the like a story of like usage-based pricing, pay as you enjoy. But there's these concepts of like Bitcoin, it's just my money, no one can take it. It's in the internet. I can send any amount of it anytime I want. I can send it anywhere else. Like these concepts of like open movement and interoperability are very foreign. Um, but the second you say, okay, go try like Jesse Burger's magic Bitcoin book. So we would like launched his book as a proof of concept for like, hit, you know, each chapter costs X amount after a certain amount, you get the whole book for free for the rest of the month. And once you had people doing it and they'd be like, oh, they clicked like their keyboard to the next chapter. And because they had a budget that like, it just auto unlocked. And you saw the payments flash in like a quarter of a second. Like, did I just send money? I'm like, yes. And like, the then they're like, okay. I'll do that and then we'll get a bunch more books and we'll do more stuff in those spaces. So it's really just socialization, touch points, getting people to try it and seeing which ones have the best fit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's going to be massive because it just makes a lot of sense. And like you mentioned, it, it is probably number one an education and awareness problem. And then number two, UX. And that's like one of the most excuse me, promising things about Bitcoin Lightning and the stack that's being built out in terms of, like, innovation. Like, there needs to be whole new experiences built around payments on the web. And I've said this many times on this show. Like, if you're a designer, particularly a UX, UI designer that's looking to make your mark on the world, like, here is a wide open canvas that needs people to come focus their attention on and build new experiences and user flows. And it's wide open
1: yeah it's a hard problem though it's it's like it's like anything that's so i fully agree it's like there's there's like there's so many trade-offs and different approaches to how you structure it there's so many different products and new experiences you can create because you have this it's was like a year and a half ago uh, I thought, I'm like, am I too late for this? <laughs> I swear. I'm like looking at this. I'm like, there's like these 10 companies, they're doing these things. Like these are so cool. And then I'm like, then like a year into it, I'm like, no, am I too early for this? Like it's uh, just because it was so incredible. What was just like, what I saw that was possible. Um, and I, I think it's the best kept secret. Like we're in a bull market for lightning. It's the best kept secret. Um, I think uh, like for technology today that that most people don't realize what it is, but even like some of the people I'm talking to that work at different companies that are large and not, they're starting to see it. They're like asking me and it's like, oh, here's like, here's a starter pack. Go do these 10 things. Try these five different products. Go do this. Send me an invoice. Send you some money. And, and like, and you're starting to see people realize it, but it is so early and we just need more people building in the space to create. You create these experiences. We'll get those billion users because this tech is unparalleled. Yeah. No, I mean, that's one thing that goes
0: through my mind a lot too are we too early um which is yeah because we spun up our first lightning node in 2018 i believe like right after it launched we had our site up and it was had lightning integrated by like may or june of that year we've been running with it ever since and uh, definitely not too late but are we too early like is this i mean obviously we're seeing it with like crypto and all the tokens on ethereum and the overarching cryptocurrency space, pump and dumps and stuff like that. Are we in the dot-com era of Bitcoin's history? And if that is the case, do we have like another decade before this hits critical mass? And if that is the case, how do we continue to survive, build out what we're building similarly at MASH? Like if we are a bit early, how do you uh, approach that potential scenario in terms of like building out your product and making sure that it just survives and is around for when that
1: tipping point does eventually come. I think it's, it's only too early if we're not, if we're not able to solve, like get to product market fit, provide really amazing solutions for people. We're in, I, I look at it as like for mash, we're in charge of our own destiny if we're too early because the concept of Bitcoin is in lightning, isn't going to be the deterrent. It's the products that we provide. Bitcoins like probably one of the biggest known brands around the world in tons of countries it's trusted way more than their local currencies and it's it's sort of maybe it's maybe it's sort of an unknown, but akin that that gap or chasm can be can be you know bridged um, And so really it's just I think is it too early because there's not enough people building other interoperable experiences in the space and that sort of helps you know like tides lift to all boats perhaps, but I think we can, I think we can make our own destiny, uh, to, like, you know, by, by the decisions we make. Um, and the, yeah. And like the, you know, it is harder because a lot of the infrastructure that's needed to make it easy for anyone to build lightning isn't there. We're working on like, like lots of other companies are working on ways to provide those, those solutions. But, you know, one day anyone will be able to spin up, um, and add lightning and, Wallets and different things into their experiences and sites, and there'll be lots of offerings there. So I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I sort of I, I second guess myself. And are we early? Every <laughs> once in a while, they're like, No, no, we're we're just moving forward. And um, in and, and you know, at least we're not working in the uh, in the space that is you know clearly just burning money with with no product and no no real plan of where they're going. Yeah, I mean the product's definitely there. It's definitely working, and it's
0: definitely innovative. And So that's another thing, too. I mean, you mentioned regulatory capture earlier. And as we build this out, obviously, Bitcoin only works if it's sufficiently distributed, censorship resistant, and really empowers the individual to do what they want with their sats on the Internet or in their everyday lives. And so as you're building MASH, how do you think about making it as small of an attack vector from a regulatory perspective as possible?
1: I'm thinking about how like there's there's lots in there for 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 how we're thinking about. It. So one is in an ideal in an ideal world, um, everyone has their own nodes. Uh, we're a facilitator and our product service is full layer on top of Lightning. Lightning is completely abstracted, and that's why we architected our system that way. The other, you know, the then there's and so that cause that can help with censorship resistance. It can help with people, you know having access to their you know their own funds and, and their own destiny um there's that part and then there's the other side of you know um how we help like do these managed nodes and help people with their funds is well, you know we don't want people to have money on our system like the first thing is like we don't want to it's like matches isn't a place to be like oh like i have two bitcoins Let's just toss on there like do not do that um to, like <laughs> do not do that like this is Meant to be like for a consumer, oh, I have 10 bucks to go spend on stuff. And if I want to get 10 more bucks in there, I'll just load it up um, and send it from somewhere else. And so there's there's that piece, but it's, it's such like a complicated, I think it's like such a, there's so many different vectors, right? You have like Bitcoin as like, um, Bitcoin as like money. And there's that vector, which I think is in like the most important piece. Um, And then you have like uh, services like MASH, which might be, ways to to monetize for content and creations but then if it's not like the thing that you're allowed to talk about how do we keep ourselves away from that problem right mm-hmm. um and we it's it's a, it's a tricky question
0: yeah that's hard yeah because we're it feels like we're caught in the middle of this great battle for freedom in the digital age and an ever encroaching regulatory global body that wants to constrict that freedom and it's just, I mean, this is something I think about and obviously I've talked about obsessively on this show for years now is <clears throat> how do we not kill the golden goose? But no, I think it, and like you just described, everything comes with trade-offs. Like don't put two Bitcoin in a mash wallet, but 10 bucks. Okay. Like if somebody comes and tries to prevent you from spending that it sucks, but it's $10 and there's ways to build experiences. And more importantly, um, user tendencies and uh, mental models of how they use their bitcoin in different situations
1: yeah oh and the other uh, you know there's one part that i you know i sort of gloss over because i don't think about it as much anymore but we made a decision um it was both a business decision but it also does it, as, does as well help for like censorship resistance and uh, etc is you don't go to like getmash.com slash you know name your creator and everything is there. And now they have to load everything up onto our platform and we own it. And then we can like, you know, sorry, you're no longer uh, online anymore. Your identity is canceled, right? It's no, you add Mash to where your stuff is into your experience. And if you don't like us, you kick us off. And if we have some other issues, you can replace us in lots of different ways. That's sort of the goal is that we're providing. You know, we're not a, um, a, you know, a way for people to, you know, lose their you know their work and their savings we don't want to be that provider like they can use any cms and and yeah and so that's sort of part of it so you can imagine like oh you get like youtube it's like oh sorry you're done yeah like it's we have lots there's lots of centralizing powers across the entire stack of the internet yeah yeah no i mean we're really
0: I, mean, like I was just telling you the episode that just went live right before we started recording <laughs> the stuff that uh miles is doing the stuff that he's talking about is probably going to get him kicked off these platforms one day if he keeps poking poking the beast and that's what we're saying like video content the tftc like putting uh we'd like we're doing it right now for the newsletter uh content but how do we do it for video as well like if we get kicked off you've had strikes on our channel for talking about naughty things um And then, yeah, then you like have the issue, yes, we can host it, uh, a video on our site and pay all that, but then everybody has to go to our site and there's like value to the platforms that uh, Google, YouTube provide. And that's like the big question Do we have. We talk a lot about balkanization uh, in the physical world with the trends that are going on geopolitically here in the United States and and globally. Is the meat space world going to begin to balkanize and uh, have jurisdictions break up into smaller and smaller uh, jurisdictions uh, and then alternatively on the web you have YouTube Facebook Twitter um, do we see a balkanization trend there where users probably don't have the luxury to go to a single site like YouTube to find all the content they want are they going to have to have a list of individual content creators that they go to their site
1: and consume there that was a long rant yeah Yeah. I don't, I'm trying to think of how to, how to respond because those are the, those are the big questions. Um, And it's, I guess part of it is those platforms help with distribution. Mm -hmm. They help some with monetization. uh, If you win their algorithm party Um, and they get, you know, and they help, yeah, they help discovery. Uh, Then then the other part is owning your audience. And I see them both, they all work together and there's gonna be new platforms showing up. They're not as, you know, Videos is trickier um, than other ones but there will be other platforms that will show up for discovery um, I just look at it as once once you have you know different communities and signals for quality and people people will look and find places where they can get information that they like better it just it's a slower process
0: yeah yeah and that's what I, I think the trend of like individual
1: blogs will come back what was it? It used to be like, okay, you went on Google, and you search. It's like, oh, great result. I never knew I could find out this fun fact to this qu- answer to my question. And then it became like, oh, I have reviews for these products. And it's like, and then both of those stopped working. It's like, oh, I'll go to a Reddit forum. It's like, okay, then that stopped working. And then it, it's like, I guess I'm texting my friends again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, what else am I doing? It's like, how do I find, like, I was trying to figure out like, what should I do in Austin this week with like the team that were all here? And it was like, I looked online and was like, well, I, nope, I'm not going to listen to any of that right now. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm going to message the three people that I know that lived here 15 years ago and the one person I know who lives here now. And those recommendations have been great so far. But, yeah. And they're different than what Google was probably putting in front of me. <laughs> Google was sending me to, what was it, Yelp, TripAdvisor, and somewhere else. And then like the top 10 X in Austin. Uh, about 50 of those. Yeah. Under um, the impatuation.
0: Like, Ooh, here's your favorite margarita
1: spot. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh,
0: yeah, it's also
1: it's killed local news too. Yeah, like like uh, a lot of those. I don't name the one like this one in like where I live. I live in Toronto, and it's just like you know, it's they're just bottom paid for articles. Yeah, it's native advertising all around. Yeah, it's uh, a native advertising without the sticker that this is advertising. Yeah, it's uh, we we're we're desperate for cash. We'll we'll write
0: anything. Please give it to us. We'll pump your stuff. No, but right, it's like uh from a content creator spot too. That's what like, obviously we distribute this on YouTube and Rumble and Bitcoin TV and we send a podcast out to RSS feeds. I think podcasting's significantly robust because of the RSS feed nature of it. Um, but yeah. Like I'd really am adamant about having my own site and we, we don't host video there. We have the podcast on the site, but we, I think we're going to begin to host our videos there as well. But I think it is important as a content creator to to own your own site and domain. Like that's why, I mean, I love Substack. I love everything it's done, but that's a a trend where people are, it's just essentially medium 2.0 where people are just using Substack to have maria.substack.com. That's like a very centralized platform where I think the trend should go the other way where you spin up a ghost site. You own the domain, you own the files, you own the server at the end of the day if you want to. And you you have complete domain over your content. Um, This is just another one off random going on, but I want you freaks to know if you're creating content out there, Substack makes it very easy. I think you should spin up your own site. Use Ghost. Use WordPress. Whatever.
1: Yeah, and we're gonna get someone to write a full guide on that on Mash. You're gonna pay them like ten cents. They're gonna that's gonna be their entire life. It's gonna be dedicating to like. Creating that content, I'm sort of just joking around, but like seriously, imagine now it's like, here's like the four things you do, like here's the DNS settings you change, because we know like all the stuff is like, you're spending hours trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah, I mean, DJ our
1: developer, I mean, luckily I have him, but I I did not do it myself. It takes a team to figure it out. Yeah, imagine there was just, there was an easy way that wasn't just a centralized service that that did it all. Um, And so uh, it's funny, you bring up medium, is uh, people are asking a lot about like okay how like and we don't just do we're not just doing written content we're doing lots of other things like like lots of apps and tools per usage and stuff like that but if we go back to Medium people would always ask like oh why don't you like integrate with Medium or do not like as like I we have the option to right now but like why don't you try and find a way to do that would that be a long term plan um and it's funny because I think like their model of, I looked at them like they need something like this that'd be way better because. Their model of monetization, like all of these like micro distribution platforms, is hey, we're gonna get all the content here. Um, Medium is funny because you don't actually know what's paid and what's not, and what you're buying, which is like very confusing for consumers when they have this, this subscription thing. And then it's like we're gonna decide what metrics matter for how we're gonna distribute that content. Is it like plays on Spotify? Is it number of reads? Is it number of claps? That's sort of like. Um, incentive wise, it's like a couple, it's like a couple degrees away from was that high quality? Did I really like that? And so it leads to all this content being juggled a different way. Consumers not knowing what they're actually buying. And there's no direct relationship that says, Hey, I can price my thing differently because what I'm doing is incredibly more valuable to a smaller group of people. So it shouldn't be like one clap is one cent or whatever it is. It should be, it's a claps 10 on my site, but you can't do that. You have no control. And so they take away pricing control, relationship control, <laughs> distribution control, um, and it helps lots of people. But it also, it, I think overall for the whole system, it creates sort of like these, these lots of unintended consequences in terms of quality of content, what's written about, where it's showing up. It's just, yeah, it's not what people want.
0: Yeah, it can be easily sibled too,
1: which is where you, like with the claps, especially if they're using
0: that as a metric, like you can just have like pay some bot farm in in China or wherever to go clap your your article but yeah. you got to make it expensive in lightning Network.
1: yeah well people on I think most aren't making enough money for it to actually work, <laughs> but like but yeah like you have clap bots it's like review bots um and then the, then the platform's like well like these these got lots of claps that continues to work so they make more money because they think they're getting more reviews on those pages and it, it creates this sort of like sort of negative loop internally that's the metrics will tell you a story that isn't necessarily the real story. Um, numbers, like like averages, they lie.
0: Yeah. no. Yeah, and then we're seeing like there is, even on Substack, uh, as they, and again, I'm a big fan of Substack. I actually just listened to the episode that their CEO or co-founder, Chris Davis-Rogan, a few weeks ago. It was very interesting. They ne- they're still a bit behind on the Bitcoin stuff, still thinking about NFTs and stuff like that for content monetization. Um, or I think it's just like sats make more sense than that. But uh, Jordan Skatchel, who's been on the show before, he writes the dossier and he does that on Substack. He, he was complaining that Substack is doing the curation for their content aggregation and they, they're favoring a certain type of writer over another on their platform. And so it would be great if you're a platform that's doing that just to be able to wipe your hands clean and say, hey, we're, we're actually just going to set the algorithm up in a way in which it, it reads this metrics, be very transparent with it, and this is what is going to raise content to the top of the site is these metrics. And you know it's a, a, a fair playing field as a content creator, and then you can see very visibly why certain content's being put on the page, and it's not some uh, human-driven curation behind the scenes of a particular um, uh, particular what's um, the what word I'm looking for influence of like an individual yeah. at substack
1: yeah and then there's all there's also the part of that where it's like oh we have this like ai machine that you know we, we decide what it's monet like prioritizing it's prioritizing views and then you get that incentive of views does not equal value um i think there's a way that uh, like i'm trying to think of how to make this like user-friendly so let's just ignore that for now but um centralized platforms don't do this but and it's been talked about a lot with twitter conceptually right um why don't you allow anyone to build an algorithm? Let anyone decide the model that showcases things. Why not like feed out that data and open it up if people agree to it? Um, why do you have to keep everything like, I know distribute, there's money in distribution, right? That's a huge part of the value. Um, but I, I get to imagine a world where, it's, where people can build on top of other things to create different discovery engines that work in partner with sort of like the data layer. Or the app, like, you know, it's like a layer on top of the application. Yeah. Yeah. That's where Twitter completely screwed up is
0: closing off access to their API.
1: Yeah. I read the book Hatching Twitter. Uh, like maybe a year ago. I don't know if you know it. It's sort of like... A, I, I, don't, I was not aware of it. No. It's like the story of... It's, anyway, it's sort of like a, a drama um, of like the story of Twitter being created and all the characters. Anyways, it's a fun read. But now I think about it. It's like that's that story was written about 10 years too early um, with all this going on. Um, but it talks about like the initial platform and how they... Like a little bit about all the different, you know, ways that people could build on top of Twitter, but also the ex- existential threat for the company because other clients were just better than theirs. Yeah. So. No, and it's again, that's
0: the uh, weird time that we find ourselves in is you have this powerful ability via software to create all these experiences. Um, companies like Twitter, YouTube, they aggregate all this pure information. And then they throw their UI and their filtering algorithms on top of it. But like, what is the model to just convince Maybe you don't even need to convince, maybe somebody needs to come to market It just does it, and makes it better, uh, the experience of aggregating your own curation. Um, like, how, how do we get, like, because it seems like we're just in this transitionary period where arguably you know, social media, the way it's existed for the first 12, 15 years, whatever it's been, um, is not going to be the way social media uh, is interacted with moving forward because these new, open platforms come to market.
1: Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, even just on like data, like data freedom and like understanding what you're seeing and how it's also the like, um, it's like the incentives being, how much time are you looking at the newsfeed on Facebook? It's like that, that's not good for anybody. No. Um, and, you know, it's sort of, it's messed with the wiring of our brains. Um, yeah. And then think about all the, I mean, I
0: uh, I say this, obviously Twitter, Jack, Blue sky, it seems to be their vision, is to build something like that. But then, on top of that, I forget, now I forget what I was going to say. The, oh, imagine how much time, like, literally just like conversation uh, here domestically and globally, so much time is spent arguing about the censorship debate. Like, how much time have we wasted in the last three years particularly about, like, censorship and doing all this stuff so just creates this natural friction, just the ability to censor on these social media platforms. And then it's millions, billions, pr- probably collectively of man, hours of debate and wasted mental bandwidth that could have been focused on more productive endeavors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm just, it's like follow, follow the money, follow the incentives. Yeah. Like it's uh, uh you know, Hopefully we'll be in a in a better place. Yeah, I I hope so. I think for
0: yeah, somebody with two young sons too, and having them come up and my oldest is like two and a half now. Uh, watching him begin to interact with technology is like ah, you can like see the slow steps towards him becoming able to interact with the internet. Not anytime soon, but I would like the internet to be at a point when he is interacting with it, where it's much uh, healthier for his psyche and his development as a human being. And
1: yeah, it's crazy times we live in now. It's like, you can, uh, you can see any, like any course to learn anything for free and every single clickbait article at the same time. And like shock story just to get your attention. And, um, it's, uh, it's amazing. Like all the positive and all the negative at the same time.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's a double-edged sword. It's, uh, I can't, we're, it's fascinating being in this generation where we, we we're just forced to deal with the problems that come with this technology coming into our lives. And we're monkeys at the end of the day, animals at the end of the day, and our brains are just trying to react to this rapid change.
1: So my monkeys with machine guns. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, it's like every single time we, uh, it's like the Jurassic park quote. It's like, uh, I always, I always butcher it. It's like, we didn't, uh, we just asked if we could, not if we should. Right. It's, yeah. um, and at least for me, it's like, I grew up with like a 28, eight modem like in like when I was like 12 and then watching that to like, oh, an iPhone came out when I was like in, in university or college, um, to like now the internet to what it is today. It's like, it's sort of wild. Like imagine like 10 years ago. Um, it's like, oh, I went traveling. When was it 10, 15 years ago? Didn't even have a phone. didn't go didn't go to like the internet cafe i like found a random phone card every month like call and be like i'm alive and then keep on going and now to today's world it's like where do i go what do i do these places like i remember just lugging a bag and being like finding a hostel to stay at and like i'm not saying that experience is better than today's experience but like that change is for me is very incredible like it's oh yeah i mean i remember um
0: summer going into my senior year of high school and then going into my sophomore year of college, Memorial day weekend, uh, both summers, I had a bit too much fun, broke my phone. My parents were like, you're not getting a new one. So I went two summers uh, separated by three years without a phone. And luckily I was staying on this Island working at a hot dog stand and was, access to my friends, like on the beach. i like, all right, what are we doing tonight? But yeah, that summer, I, I, those summers I would walk around with a black book with all the numbers of my friends and, Uh, my parents and uh, anybody I would have to come into contact with. And like, if I desperately needed to call them I'd pull out the black book and be like, Hey, can I borrow your phone?
1: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Um, And and, then we're not saying, not saying that everything was great back then either, but uh, it's like just with the, uh, um, it's like with the phone thing. It's like, it's like, I actually have to like every year I like, I have to get off grid. Like, and then when I come back, I see it's like, it's like the first few days, like, like I'm like, playing with a thing and like on the phone, like off of a sudden TV, it's like, oh crap, that like falling asleep when the sun went down and like not worrying about a thing. It's like, oh no, it's like two in the morning. Why am I doing this? Right. Like why? It's like, I felt so good. I was healthy. Like it took me three days for like, you know, like my body being like, why is there not dopamine hits every 20 seconds uh, to like react to that. And it's just funny how like it just sort of, rec- it's a recalibration. Like, oh, these do these things to me. Um, and so. Do you have a consistent off-grid destination or you switch it up? Um, I basically, I, I paddle a different river every year with a a couple close buddies, like six of us usually. And so, um, yeah, like, uh, it's canoe tripping. So it's like hiking, but with canoes and you sort of start here, go there. And we are always looking for a new river. Um, we basically have gone through all the like pretty advanced ones within, you know, I'd say 15 hour drive of where we live. Um, and so, yeah, I'm lucky to have like been able to learn how to do it growing up, be able to go do it, get the time. I want to say lucky to get the time. It was prioritized uh, to be like, this is the time no matter what every year I go.
0: Yeah. Over um, from CoinKite. That's like one of his favorite things to do up in Canada
1: is go canoe tripping and go off the grid in the summers. Awesome. It's, it's unbelievable. It's like, um, yeah, highly recommend it. Um, yeah, we, I, I've met him once, and actually that was the one topic of conversation I think really? we were talking about. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'll remember. It was like it was like at um, at the BitDevs in Miami in in April during the Bitcoin 2022. Yeah, Rudolph is a, a hell of a
0: character. A hell of a builder, too. No, but I completely... It is... I'm always hands up. I'm pretty online uh, as an individual. And as I've had children, I've tried to be hyper cognizant of it and unplug even though I'm still not great at it my wife would say I still have a lot of uh, improvement to do in that area but in terms of like getting off the grid I've had little, uh, the ability to go to Costa Rica on surfing trips a few times in my life for like two weeks at a time and um you literally don't have phone service there like you said like you wake up when the sun gets up you go surfing you eat you hang out listen to music and the sun goes down at, like, six, and you just hang, watch the stars, and, like, pass out, wake up naturally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're, like, physically active and moving around. Like, it's, yeah, there's just something about that. But then when you come back, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. That's now I, I want to go again. It's like I just got back, and it's like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any uh, interesting things happen on your last trip? Does
1: it ever get dangerous? Um... I'll, I'll, interesting was I didn't know there were pelicans in like Manitoba, in Northern exactly. Manitoba. We're like paddling up and like literally like, it's some of the best fishing in the world. So people do take float planes out there um, in those areas. And so like paddling day, like I think it was day one or day two. And I'm like, what are those birds that are like, like mouths like just full of giant fish. Like, <laughs> like uh, there's like 25 of them or 50 of them at one point, I was able to get some cool shots of. So that was like really interesting. Um, danger, like, let's say, I think there's a few things. Um, like one is that like where we go is like really remote. So it's helicopter evacuation, no matter what. Um, but like we're doing rivers with that are fast water, sometimes moving rivers. So like you tip, like your stuff's going to keep on going. You need no good rescue techniques. Um, you have to like really scout and know what the rapids are. So if you're going to shoot them, if you're not going to shoot them, you're portaging around, you're carrying all your gear and like you can slip and fall and Hurt yourself and things like that. So, like, I'd say like those are really the dangers. But if you know, like, what to do, or like, take your food out, like, don't leave it beside the tent. Because, like, a, like a black bear where we go normally, um, unless you're going like out west with grizzlies, like, they're not going to be a problem for you as long as long as they're like they don't have like a mental issue with them. Yeah, black bears are more afraid of us than we are though Oh yeah, chase one, like, just yell at it and just get it. And especially because they're not uh, humanized in those areas. So if you're like near a town, right? then there's a much bigger issue of having a bear problem because they're used to humans not actually doing anything and they know where the garbage dump is and they're just going to roam around until they get, you know, and they know it's a source of food that there's no problem until they're, they're sort of killed. Right. But out in the woods, like we go, like they don't see anybody. It's like, what are these things? (laughs) They're just looking at us like, what are these things? I need to get away. Yeah. They're like floating on the water, like these like sticks. Uh, So yeah, my sister lives in Colorado
0: and she's, she sent me a, like ring camera video of of the bears getting into the dumpsters by her, her house up there in the mountains. And yeah, in in the cities there, the towns there, not, not afraid at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Like, I guess it's like, there's not really like, I don't, I guess I don't feel in like, there's lots of dangers out there, but it's, it's really just about, like, there's points where I felt very nervous because it was sort of dangerous, like lining around a rapid or like doing certain things or like, like there's a tree burnout. You're like walking through like bouldery mud swamp type stuff, like to get around things. And it's like excruciatingly painful. Like at some point it's, like, I'd like my legs two years ago were like, like my ankles were this thick, like thick from like the amount of like unstable ground in like mm-hmm. certain places. It was all bushwhacking. Was no one had probably paddled this thing in 10 years. We didn't know um that's that's a whole other story but um like there's certain places like okay there's this waterfall that's like 100 meters high and it's silent because the drop's so big and it's massive and you just but like you know it's there even though it's silent mm-hmm. because like your like and all of a sudden like there's no more trees and just sky it's like oh probably shouldn't go up that close
0: <laughs> um,
1: going over a 100 meter
0: waterfall yeah it'd, it'd be fun for the uh for the short free fall before
1: your death but uh, I'll I'll go bungee jumping instead. <laughs> I won't. Uh, I won't take that that ride. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. Again, it's a
0: experience that not that many people are losing touch with. Is just being out um, in nature and uh, basically being thrown to the wilderness, and you're you've you've got to take care of your shit, and if you don't, uh, nature will eat you up.
1: Yep yeah it's like but at the same time it's like do i know go like forage like my food and hunt my food out there and all that stuff like no like if, if i was out there without supplies i'm uh, you know i'm gonna last as long as like my body can feed me right so, like uh but it's but it's still a lot to scale. it's still it's the point is just being out there and not all the other distractions and get you feel like you get more in touch with like human like what us as animals are yeah what's that show they you they usually
0: drop people off in of canada uh, Vancouver Island, um, specifically. God, it's a survival show. It's on Netflix. I just watched the whole season. I can't think of the name. But they, they drop those people off. No supplies, no food, anything. All well, they have supplies, they get to bring 10 items. But watching that, I, I don't think <laughs> they're literally erecting forts, cutting down trees, hunting bears and moose and stuff like that. I like, ah, I would die in a week. I'd have to tap out.
1: I I need about a year of training first. <laughs> and uh we'll start with some of the supplies like maybe some stone age supplies. Like give me the, give me the whole thing from a certain year. Um, but not not with like 10 items, no. It's no. not for me. No. So, back to Bitcoin
0: though. Being full fledged into it and diving headfirst like two or three or three or four years ago now. Has it changed your perspective on the world and um where you somebody really thought about the problem of money and the incentive systems that we had in our incumbent financial system um, where you really focus on censorship resistance before you found Bitcoin. Um, was there something particular about the network that, that stuck out to you that really ignited that fire under your ass, to dedicate your life to it?
1: I think so I'll say my opinion and awareness of a lot of these things have changed dramatically since that time. And whether it was because of Bitcoin opening my eyes to those things, or um, a lot of like awareness of things that were being, that were happening all at the same time occurred. Um, I would say myself personally, like I studied economics in like in university for a few years and I thought it was like, this is just make-believe. like this is not how people behave. Like I get the concept of externalities and all that stuff. but it's like people like drawing these lines and pretending it's human behavior. It was like, and so I was aware of that. And I guess, I guess my personality is I'm not really, I'm sort of people say I'm confrontational a little bit. Like I don't, not just, just for the sake of it. It's like um, I try and like get down a little bit to the facts, but I'm hyper-focused. So I'm not focused on a problem. I'm not really going to dig into it. I'll just be like, ah, oh, that's a thing. I don't know enough about it. I don't have time to dedicate it to it. So, Censorship resistance. Um, I wasn't really, you know, it wasn't like a top topic on my mind. Um, it definitely is now. Um, uh, I think that's, you know, maybe there's recency bias of what's going on and what I'm seeing, um, especially with with the COVID stuff and, and being in Canada, um, and watching like all of our institutions sort of, you know, lose all trust from most people, but, um, and it was also maybe the reading, like I read a lot of like Ben Hunt's work um, at Epsilon Theory mm-hmm. and all about narratives. And so like, you know, I could say I was always aware of lots of stuff was sort of, you know, bullshit um, and that there was usually an incentive behind it. But now it's sort of like a lot more is like been, I think, uncovered by spending more time reading about it. So I, I sort of look at like, narratives and you know how bitcoin plays into it with money and these are all like interrelating things with how the world works where you know when i was younger i was probably a lot more naive or just maybe had less care about about it um yeah and so if for bitcoin and money i would say my knowledge of monetary history is still not amazing and like i'm not going to pretend i don't have enough time to spend like the years to like really know all, all the history but Um, I would say it's, um, I would say I went from like a zero to a, like, I guess zero to 0.5 or maybe one, but I'm not, (laughs) sorry, zero to one, like, but I'm not at a 10. Um, and so I get it, I get it a lot more and it actually Bitcoin opened my eyes to, to all of the problems. Like, uh, it comes, sorry, I'm not going to rant, but it comes down to like incentive structures, right? If you can just print money and just give all these free things away, everyone doesn't make the logical steps to the other three things that are happening because of that. Oh, my money's now worth less. We're wasting money on productive resources here. They don't have to make trade-offs to get rid of bad programs. They don't have to restructure the laws and fix all these problems. And we have this like debt of like regulatory debt, budget, like decisions on where we allocate resources as a society debt. And like, they've just been building up and are imploding. And um, I think it made me a lot more aware of like how these things interrelate with each other. Yeah. I mean, Joe Biden just...
0: Decided to uh, waive ten thousand dollars of student loan debt for everybody out there. Uh, wants to put money back in people's pockets as we are experiencing this uh, elevated inflationary period. Uh, obviously, the student loan debt crisis here in the United States is a very pressing issue that many have been complaining about for some time. And yeah, I just did a rant about it that will go up on YouTube later. But it's like you said, it's like compounding these. Th- this debt that's been accrued from a regulatory and uh, federal government intervention perspective where uh, you can argue the government probably should have never been giving out low interest rate loans to 18 year olds to go get diplomas that are rapidly de- uh, falling in value on the job market.
1: Yeah. Um, I, so I was, uh, when my first job at a school, I was uh a consultant at like a consulting firm. Um, and one of our clients was actually a for-profit education company in the U.S. This is like 2008, seven, something like that. So like, like, like a Phoenix, but not one of those. And like uh, watching the recommendations, like I'm a junior person on the team. I'm the guy who like creates the stuff to create the slides. Right. Um, and also part of like all the strategy decks and, you know, working with the client and like, we actually just realized that point in time is like, the government is just, and I'm in Canada advising like a U.S. company on this. And I'm like perplexed at what's going on. I'm like <laughs> nine, how old is I decide, Like 21, 22, something like that. So I, I, I seem figure, I'm now like thinking math on like what year I was born. But it's like, oh, it's like, here's four segments of people that will get free loans, that they can do these courses and do X, Y, and Z. And the government will pay for this. Like, here's the strategy. Here's what to go after. And it's like, and I, and the, I'd ask a question, but like, what jobs are they getting? And they're like, they're not getting jobs. It was like insanity to me. It's like, what's going on here? It's like, well, everyone needs to get a free college education, sort of, Um, but they'll have to pay for it later and they can never get rid of the debt. It's like, you sort of like, it was like, okay, this this is what, and this is really smart people working in these industries, advising these companies what to do. And at these companies, we're spending all their time providing such a disservice to so many other people. It was, it was, yeah. Lots of touch points like that, but it was, well, it was a wild experience for me like that young just to see it straight up. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. This is soul sucking.
0: And again, it's a terrible incentive structure. are going to give out these loans, low interest. Here's the people that have taken them out. And then the colleges go, oh, since they're going to get these loans anyway, we can just jack up our prices, <laughs> add to their debt. And yeah. now with like the forgiveness, uh, the $10,000 forgiveness, I believe it's $20,000 for Pell grants too. You're doing it with the intention of putting money back in people's bank accounts um, because they're having trouble paying for things because inflation is high. But we still haven't fixed things on the supply side of the market where goods are, energy, food, infrastructure, electronics are still relatively scarce because we borked the supply chains with the lockdowns, putting more money (laughs) back in people's bank accounts to go chase scarcer and scarcer goods so you're just going to exacerbate the inflation problem which at the end of the day will probably be a net negative for everybody they're giving this money back to
1: yeah it's inflation's for me like a really interesting concept because there's like how much does like like let's say a tomato is a dollar and now it's two dollars but which then sort of is a step removed from i had Te, you know, X thousand dollars a year. And now I have Y thousand dollars a year. And what's the difference And like, really what we need is like enough tomatoes at like a price level that everyone can have as many tomatoes as they need. And so like, let's say, let's say you had inflation, but every single person's like all their assets, all their incomes, everything had doubled. So everyone's on an equal playing field. Um, but, uh, and you double tomatoes. Okay. Everything's fine. But if you have like half the tomatoes, we sort of have a big problem. Yeah. And so like, yeah, like inflation, it shows up in a variety of ways, but I look at it as like, oh, you did as an inflation and then you gave all the rich people all, all way more money, but it doesn't change the fact there's not enough tomatoes for people because rich people can eat only eat so many tomatoes per year. And so I always go. So I think the supply side is like this hidden thing being, which is sort of like uh, Bitcoin doesn't necessarily fix the supply side immediately, but like there's a lot of regulatory stuff that is from corrupted money that like we're just sort of ignoring. And yeah, uh, it's uh, I don't know. Inflation is a funny topic for me because it's like it's it is also like in some ways narrative. It sort of it hides a few steps in the in the process. Yeah, it's, it's shrink. There's many uh, inflation is always
0: and everywhere a monetary phenomenon, but then like, it gets exacerbated by the supply side of things too, which is again uh, it goes back to the money. Fix the money, fix the world. That's why we have it out here in the studio. Like you can argue that the governments of the world would not have been able to lock down the global economy, which set off the supply side crisis if they didn't have a money printer that they could turn on and airdrop money into people's bank accounts and bail out all these companies when they shut down the economy. Like, I don't think, it's yeah. not funny, it's actually, shouldn't laugh about it, but people do not understand the gravity of the supply side issues that we have globally. Not, I mean, we've seen it pop up in Sri Lanka. Uh, we've seen it pop up, on the electronic side of things. We're going to see it pop up in Europe now with the energy crisis that's going there. Like this is (coughs) a massive problem that's going to have dire consequences for billions of people, billions across the world. And it feels like we're just sleepwalking into like a catastrophe.
1: Yep. Yeah. Imagine uh, (coughs) politicians could have uh, discussions on trade-offs and what we had to do.
0: Yeah, and here in the United States, it's... She's making a scratch in my throat, too. Um, It's incredibly frustrating watching the Biden administration, particularly uh, his energy czar, I forget her name, uh, just double and triple down on this transition to wind and solar when we can point over to Germany and like, look, what's going on over there right now? Like They did this starting two decades ago. Now you're trying to force this here. We already have relatively high natural gas and oil prices and grids are beginning to falter and yet you're like doubling down on this like do you not see the trade-offs pl- playing out right in front of your eyes across the atlantic
1: yeah and it's uh I, you know this is a space i don't know enough about it like i yeah. see it and like i haven't but it's it's not winter yet um no and uh and price without the without the you know right knowledge on my side i'm very nervous uh of what what the consequences of this are? Yeah, and that's a that's the
0: other thing too. Is you have to somebody building on Bitcoin and trying to make the world a better place via that network. You have to always stop and say, Yeah, it is daunting to think about these large, overarching problems that exist. We um, can't get dragged down by it, just like get stuck in the mud and let that consume your life. you got to build mash. We've got to build this media company. We've got to build the awareness of Bitcoin. Um, Yes, things are going to get bad, but we've also got to work on the, the off ramps.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, it's like 95% of my time. It's like mash and then 5% personal. And then like (laughs) add in 10% because, you know, we all, we all work hundred percent, but like it's uh. And part of that is, is trying to see what's going on in sort of the big problems, but it's also, if I'm not going to change my effort in my focus and where I'm working to help people and make the world a better place and also build a business and, you know, and all those things, if I'm then it's like, if I'm going to start digging into that, it's like, I should shift and just be focused on that, but I'm not doing that, right? Like, this is what I'm passionate about, what I'm doing. Um, and not just a little bit passion, like extremely passionate, but like, it's, it, I could see myself doing this for the next 50 years. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And so it's hard to like, want to know what's going on everywhere, but then also realize like, I'm distracting myself from the actual problem I'm trying to solve, yeah. which isn't that good. And I need to be successful at this thing.
0: Well, that actually brings up a, a good rabbit hole. We can dive down. Like what's it been like building something for yourself? Well, you're building it for many people, but you're building it yourself compared to working at a consultant firm and in Google What's it, what's it like being an entrepreneur compared to an employee?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I'd say like, so I did have a, tra- I did start a travel business from scratch yeah, before yeah. this. I, yeah. I looked at them both in the same thing is like, uh, you're, I, I think, what's the difference? There's like, you always have to have, I think, to make anything successful, like um, an ambitious, like mission, like really, really ambitious. Um, and it needs to be like believably achievable. Um, and I find that really, for me, that's like really fun to do. And maybe at sort of like in consulting, I was an advisor. I wasn't creating a thing. It was like cool to solve problems and learn a little bit, but it wasn't for me. Um, at Google, I got to sort of be an internal entrepreneur, but wasn't necessarily on p- problems I was necessarily passionate about, but I'm also passionate about learning. And I saw that as an opportunity to, how do I become the best product manager and, con- and learn consumer things and learn infrastructure things. And so I, I was probably there too long. I was there too long. Um, uh but i got that out of it but now it's okay have these skills um how do i you know and how do i solve that thing that i really really care about which adds a lot more extra drive a lot more a lot of extra pressure a lot different responsibility i'd say um because internally it's like oh the company will take care of all these other things I don't have that right. It's it's like I'm sorry about the like documentation for getting started guide. Like I wrote that the other day, right? Um, And which is no, which is fine. But it's also like building a team, um, and not just within a pool within a company that's self selected for those characteristics of what they want, but also a team that has like um, I want to say like it's not like a vibe, but a culture and a belief and a passion for in a certain way of working and doing things. Um, that's not just like, oh, they agree with me, but like pushes and prods in different ways, mm-hmm. have different skill sets and can make us all better as a, as, as an entity is really fun. Um,
0: yeah. So, yeah, that is fun building compared to working for somebody. And it's, yeah, like you said, like we, we spun up like the, I I never thought this would be like a, a business. I thought it was just going to be like talking into the ether and people would listen maybe. And then same with the newsletter, and it has turned into a business where you're in a studio. I've got car over there to figure out how to pay them. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the nitty gritty things that you don't think about when you're an employee. It's it's not easy running a business.
1: Yeah. I, I, it's funny because I like forgot about the best part is like we're creating solutions for like people that have never been possible for. That's yeah. like the creative energy is like there's technical challenges. There's like user challenges. There's understanding. It's like always like a unique insight, a unique learning, a unique problem to solve and like the trade-offs all day long. And I think some people um, like all this ambiguity or all these like hard decisions. um, Some people like it makes it really uncomfortable for me. It's like, wow, we can like create all these things. Like look at all the stuff we can do. We just have to choose and sequence and we're never going to have all this information, but then we can have this, you know, this thing and see if people love it. See if it meets like the two or three things we want to accomplish with it. And it's just doing that all day every day um and then occasionally being like i should probably you know take a break for a day do something completely different because then 10 new ideas just pop in
0: yeah
1: um so uh, i'm not doing enough of that that's probably the biggest thing it's like my, <laughs> my 25 minute like walk to get a coffee and come back and like back to sitting down uh i gotta i gotta do more um to get to get out and let my mind sort of marinate in different things
0: that's why i like about austin we had ladyburg lake that trail it's a nice four mile trail i try to do that at least two or three times a week when I'm here, it's like it takes 45 minutes and that's like the perfect amount of time you're walking, you're thinking, you're getting your mind away from things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to do it a lot more. I'd get like an hour or two, like walking or like rowing or doing stuff like that. Now it's like, I'm, I'm trying to get into CrossFit um this is one near me and it's like i do at least once a week usually but it's like how do i get to two or three like yeah. it's like it's like i gotta get that 5 30 and it's like i'm not i'm not off of 5 30 like what, are, what yeah. are we what are we thinking here
0: the solution yeah the solution that is waking up early and i've tried it before too it's hard
1: that's my work time i'm like 5 30 am up I like roll down the stairs coffee coffee going and like those those first five hours are like my most effective i can't go to like i can't leave that uh, but I hear you. Some people are like, I have the time there, but it's like, uh, I don't know. I've become a morning person.
0: Yeah. I'm becoming a morning. I'm being forced to become a morning person because uh, kids tend to wake up early. But I do like being a morning person. It, it's like, that's my most product productive hours are in the morning after I feed the kids breakfast. I'm like, all right, emails. What are we doing? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but one thing I wanted to ask you, considering your experience being a product manager at Google, and that's in uh, coming into Bitcoin. It's something I'm incredibly uh, happy to see because, again, going back to the UX/UI conversation, like Bitcoin has been here for 13 years, but it's been uh, for most of its life a bunch of enthusiasts building and um, interacting with it and trying to provide solutions for everybody. And that's one thing a lot of Bitcoiners have talked about for years: is like, all right, when is this intellectual capital from the incumbent? tech sector begin to recognize what's going on in Bitcoin and begin focusing their efforts on this stack, which you've done. And I'm just curious to see, like you mentioned, uh, talking uh, to people at big tech companies that are interested in what you're doing at MASH. Like, do you see uh, a transition or not a transition, but do you see some of that intellectual capital beginning to get curious about Bitcoin and do you see um, sort of a rush to this space to, to begin building it out?
1: I wouldn't say it's, so I think there's a few things. I actually want to hit one, one thing first, which is, I think a lot of the big, big tech talent that is at big tech now, like the ones we know are necessarily the people that are going to create all these new things. I think there's, there might be like a false signal there. It might be noise. Um, If you're talking about like, Oh, one of the first 10, 20 product managers at Google, that's a great signal, right? But they've already done five companies. So you want these entrepreneurs and these design thinkers that might come from anywhere. And so um, I'm not trying to knock like uh, knock like myself for being at Google, it a not mean anything or everyone else is there. I just think there's, there's lots of, we want the talent, right? And so I don't necessarily think it's all a big tech right now because it's been around so long, it's entrenched. The people that are there aren't necessarily the ones who are trying to recreate, you know, create the new wheel, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I'm talking like I left five years ago so it's it's been a while um and it's probably more bureaucratic and you know more of a you know uh yeah i'll I'll leave it there but so now what am I seeing um there's been lots of people who are who have heard a little bit of what what, what I'm up to at mash with the team and sort of heard about the Bitcoin lens and that just want to talk to me been interested and in like people I'd worked with in the past who are curious and I think they there's a lot of Confused noise like for them and confusion is like is it this nft thing is it bitcoin what about all these other coins they don't have that foundational knowledge so I try. but they're but they're curious it's not like they don't know what it is they say like this bitcoin thing's been around for a while like maybe I should check it out and like there's also some really smart people that maybe aren't directly related to me that are starting to look at it and asking about it at different places so I, I think it is it's growing but I don't know if it's exponential because I don't know if the basis. is. <laughs> um, but there's, de- there's definitely curiosity. There's definitely interest. I think there's lots of shiny objects that people get distracted by uh, all the time. And, um, but if compared to a year and a half ago when I started like, w- like really down this journey, um, it's night and day. And it's not because we have like the craziest news and press and they've heard about it. They're just like, they just sort of get that this is a new thing now. Um, and they hear Bitcoin and they're a lot more interested, I think, than a year and a half ago.
0: Yeah. It hasn't gone away. It's like, if it's not going away, it's going to be here. But then lightning too, the things you can do with lightning. It's just so exciting.
1: Oh yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Like that's what I tell everyone. It's like, you need to send money with lightning, try different things. Like you just have to use it to sort of get it. And then people start realizing and it takes a while. Um, It took me probably a few months to like, just sort of really wrap my head around it initially. Like I got how different it was, but like, what does this mean? And I still don't, I'm not gonna pretend I get it now. Like, I don't know when in 10 years lightning will be online. Um no one does, but it's going to be everywhere. It's, it's sort of our bed and I and I think if it if it's not um it's because there's lightning 2.0, that's a better version of lightning for bitcoin, like maybe there's some, you know, some change there, but it's effectively I'm talking about the same thing. Like yeah. bitcoin in the web sendable anywhere around the world programmatically people's full control. Um yeah. Did yeah. you did you have a particular aha moment? <laughs> It was well for for like for lightning or for for mash, both. Okay, I, I guess I sort of teed that up. It's like please ask me both questions, <laughs> which I didn't mean to do until after I said it. Asking
0: okay. yourself a leading question, I like it.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it's my it's my style versus like just answering a different question completely. I'd like you to ask this for me, please. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm like laughing at myself. So uh, I think. The aha moment for me, I'm trying to think. It might have been like, I think with Lightning, it, it might have been like I got a MyNode node set up and I like set up a node and like sent money between like blue wallet and a my node. Like that, I I forget how I connected what which software I use for my node. I think it, it does it generate an invoice in there directly. I haven't used it in a while. They have LND Hub, I believe. for... no, but I wasn't using like LND Hub to like manage a backend. I was just like two different wallet software and like Sats flowed between them. It was like better than lightning spin because I didn't want to like give my money to someone else. I'm like, yeah, I can play a game. But like that was really I think it was something like that that was like, okay, this is beyond just the reading about it. Um, just seeing it. Uh and then for MASH, I think what crystallized it is, you know, like the thought process was when laser eyes started to become a thing. Um and I've, I spent like I can't, like, I can't tell you how much time to try and find this laser eyes generator tool. And like everyone had the one where like one eye was on top of the other one. They were both red and they looked like crap. Now I like, can't someone just, I'll give someone 50 cents for like a little eight, like make 20 lasers. Let me load up a photo and just move some shit around and make me the best avatar profile for, for Twitter. Right. Because I think it's, funny, hilarious, and like, and it's just like, yeah, I wanna say I'm a Bitcoiner. I'm not like the Bitcoiner to 100K. Like I just wanna have laser eyes to be like, this is what I'm about. Now you know, like join the mission. It's important. Yeah. And I couldn't find one. And someone should just be able to build that. And if someone could pay them 50 cents, 25 cents, a dollar, whatever it was, which is never possible for you now have two people who have a business that can make millions of dollars a year. <laughs>
0: it's crazy to think about something as simple
1: as millions upon millions if they like dedicated the time like so we sort of started that's sort of like the joke but like our mashing monsters avatar generator which i found out was making fun of nfts people thought we were shilling nfts it's like buy your nft there's a trillion of them they cost two sats like or two cents or whatever it was it was a full joke but apparently people didn't realize didn't realize it was a joke um and so we were actually had in the pipeline to build a demo app for a laserized generator tool and like have some designs we just we just have so much to do. It's like, we can't distract ourselves. So if anyone wants to take those designs and build it out, we're ready.
0: But again, it's crazy to think something as like a joke could become a million dollar business for somebody.
1: Yeah. you, you Like, do you not think like, I, I, this is super deluxe laser. That's $3. This other one, the regular one free, this one's like 50 cents. Like that's never been possible for Yeah. Like, oh yeah. And then you start looking at all, I started looking at all the different tools that are online. Like, oh, can I convert my image to use on profile photos? Please subscribe for $30 a month. It's like, I just want to use it once. Yeah. Like, I'm not giving you $30. Yeah. Think something like
0: convert this, convert this Word doc to a PDF. Like yeah, I'll pay fifty cents, like instead of going
1: into these like softwares that you don't trust. Yeah. It's like going into like, you're getting some open source software, you're loading internally. like you have to be a developer to use half this stuff. Um, it's not easy. Uh, what was the other one? We have like uh, the amount of spam phone calls we get. We have this like lookup phone number tool. Like, you know, all those lookup number websites. I don't know if the US has them. It's like, you go through this process and you have to pay like 12.99, but they really charge you like 50 bucks. Like I've never done it, but like, it's, it's a scam. Mm-hmm. Imagine like someone actually made a legit one and it just pinged your phone being like, and it costs you one cent for anyone who wasn't in your contact list up to a dollar a month or 20 cents a month, whatever it was. It's like, that is a scam caller. Confirm or like in like done. Yeah. I'd pay for that service, but you're not gonna get me to pay 10.99 a month. Yeah. I'll pay as I use it.
0: Maybe a five cents a call. Yeah. Here's a nickel.
1: Yeah. Worth of sets. So I'm just like thinking of like all these little, like, so once I saw it, it's like, it's just use case after use case that you just like, you know, that I would just see. um, And actually like the, the writing content one isn't one of the first ones or like, I think that's a trickier one to crack actually. Um, I think there's ways to do it and lots of things, but like, it's all these, like imagine all these little tools that can make your life easier. Where it didn't have to be a fully VC funded thousand person company like Canva, it could be like a targeted, very specific use case application that is just it's just this one thing. I want to convert, you know, um, like you said, PDF to Word. I want to the laserized photos thing. I want to know what this phone number is. I want to, yeah, store this one file for a year and then email it to this person. Like just like random things that can just just be built. I want to take a screenshot that looks beautiful and does X, Y, and Z, and so, yeah
0: possibilities are endless freaks see this is what's this what's this talk gets me bullish you know like there's so much to build out there there's so much to do there's so much opportunity i think the laser eyes thing could just be some college student who was thinking about going uh fifty thousand dollars more into debt for their senior year they can create this laser eye generator and be like oh no i have a job yep i have a product
1: I'm trying to think, there was this one other one that was just like on the tip of my tongue and I forgot about it that I found, it was like so funny, but uh, it'll come back to me probably like the second it's like, and we're done and like, it'll be gone. It'll come right back. But um, there's so many things. Oh, games. Okay. Here's a few. Let's like, like, if you ever look for like quotes, like you're like, what are the best Ernest Hemingway quotes or the yes. lyrics or stuff? People could build apps for that. And like, they're not hard to build if you could actually monetize them. Like, I want to earn the Hemingway quotes. I want these quotes. I want this. Search them, structure them. Have an entire search engine dedicated to like uh, quotes or song lyrics or like meme
0: generators. When I have to like, like when I want to make like a Wojak meme or something, like I forget what the Wojak
1: name is and... Oh, meme generators were one of our first ones was like, I think I was like trying to cold email the owner of imageflip.com like a year and a half ago. I'm like, can you please like, he's like, you don't even have a website. I'm like, don't worry about it. We got you. <laughs> uh, i I'm am exa- I'm exaggerated, like it was super early, but it was a product discovery call and I got like really interesting information from it. Um, How do they, mon- do they monetize ads? I, they have ads. And then I think they have like a pro subscription thing where you can do a few extra things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's looking at lots of stuff like that. Um, all these fun little cool tools. Yeah. No, like, again, like,
0: we've been experimenting with this since 2018. The first thing we built was uh, a randomized final thought generator. And it was, uh, $0.10. Cents. You pay $0.10 cents and you get a final thought. And it was very simple to build. DJ just built a script that scraped uh, the words after final thought at the bottom of the newsletter and was able to, like, generate, you pay this invoice, we'll randomly generate a final thought for you. And,
1: That's awesome. I'm thinking like our first one was a Bitcoin price predictor, uh, which is making fun of predicting the price. <laughs> uh, so I, I just like poking fun at things. like, I don't know what the price is. I don't believe yeah. that, like whatever. havings aren't real, like whatever, whatever you want to say. I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Um, it was like, one is like, should have listened to uh like shouldn't have listened to plan B. He changed the model again. Or like just whatever it was just like,
0: <laughs> like you
1: can choose your, you can choose your own prophecy being like, can you do one equals one or like make it bullish or bearish throw on like Dorian or Hal or whoever you want is like an avatar. Anyways, I don't know if you, I, like that's, it's the same thing. It's like, it's just like a gimmicky of like run something once for yeah. me. Um, yeah. We called
0: our, the final thought generator, we call it the dime bag. Um, Give us a dime, we'll give you a, we'll give you a little trinket, which is a, a dumb final thought from one of my newsletters. And that's yeah. like people are still buying final thoughts these days, which uh yeah, we've probably made I like over the course of four years, not a lot, like a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin at least, people just buying final thoughts.
1: And uh that means you what, you got ten thousand people to try lightning. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's like the more people that try these little things. It's or it's like one ridiculous. person who just wants 10,000 thoughts, even
0: though there aren't 10,000 final thoughts yet. But
1: They're like, it's the same one. <laughs> but I can't get a refund. <laughs> I wish I could call Visa. That's another <laughs> thing, man.
0: Like, how do you think about that? Like, refunds, chargebacks, as you're building mash-out?
1: Um, people, so they ne- Okay, so a consumer, like, buying something, they need to have control and protection for their money. You can't just like have money just auto flowing. They like, you need, they need to have control and protections, but they also need to make it easy for themselves to enjoy stuff. they will been interrupted at any time. And so they need to be able to make a contract, like a budget saying, I'll spend on this pricing up to this amount for these things with this person. It's not taking their money. Just like, it's like an authorization. It's just like, it just says, it's you know, it's like me saying like, uh, like leaving 10 bucks on here and being like, you can use it for X, Y, and Z, right. Actually, no, it's not leaving the money because they still have it. It's like, anyways, I'm getting into technical so That doesn't matter. Um, And so we, and they should always be able to remove that authorization. But at the, at the end of the day, it's up to them to decide which places and sites they trust where they set that budget. And if they don't trust it, they can say, yeah, I'll just buy it one time and they can click to pay and just be in control of it. So, Um, there's other things of like, what happens if someone gets access to their device and they're logged in, what can they do? Um, you can do things like enter your password again, or like do 2FA and things like that, that can, that can help it. But at at, at the end of the day, we're focused on like have 10 bucks in a wallet. So that's less important to go too hard in, but we'll have that. Um, but it's really about their control, but but they're learning how to control their own money. It's, it's very similar to, um, having a wallet with cash and just leaving it on the table and walking away um, and trusting it. So like, I trust everyone here. I'll leave my wallet here, go for a walk, grab a coffee, come back. I'm not worried about you like taking 20 bucks and telling me that people are buying your dime bags, you know, over and over again. Right. Like, um, <laughs> but I'm not going to leave it on the side of the street outside. No, don't leave it out there. Or in the bar. Right. Like I don't, I don't trust, uh, you know, name the bar down the street, the, the patrons there that can take my money. Shiners, there's a bunch of scumbags down there.
0: Car That's a quitter bar.
1: Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what you. I mean, I go to Shiner's too. It's, uh, is that the Shiner's Brock? Is that the beer? Do they make? Is it a microbrewery? Is it based off of Shiner Bach? The Shiner Bach Brock. <laughs> it's, oh. it's a Pittsburgh bar. All the is thing out there too. Um, we we just have we used to have better beer uh, north of the border. Now it's uh, not the case. Except for some of the microbrews are pretty sick. But that's now I think gone way better everywhere. We have too many preservatives in the beer here in the United States.
0: Uh, Not good for you. But again, going back to MASH and content monetization. Yes. It's something that blows my mind too. Because right now, like podcasting 2.0, we get sats flows every day. And I just think, I mean, we'd like to move away from the ad model. Eventually, if we can, it's just not there yet because there isn't this critical mass of people listening. If every one of our listeners used podcasting 2.0 and contributed a range of sats, we may be able to do it. But right now, I think on the Fountain app... For Rabbit Hole Recap, in the last 30 days, we probably had like 400 uh, users interacting with Podcasting 2.0 um, for Rabbit Hole Recap specifically. But, at scale, like, if this become the model? Like, a user listening, if somebody's sending five sats a minute, we have an hour and a half podcast, 4,500 sats, it's around a dollar per episode. Um, at scale, like, for us, that would be Tens of thousands of dollars, yeah, per episode per listener. And then you think about, and for the listener side, they're like, "Yeah, whatever." It was just a buck, um, but in aggregate for us, it's like material. And then you replicate that with other content creators across the web, and it's like, "Holy crap!" This is like a whole new economy.
1: Yeah, it's and this—that's one attempt, right? I'm not, and it's working in some ways. Like that's one try at here's a model that could work, but you could have, there's the like donate as you go or donate as you enjoy. There's the forced payment, maybe for specials. There's the like extra exclusive behind the scenes, hot take. There's like, you can do, you can do like vote or like send a pay to do a shout out. And like, if the top three people get on and it's like a, it's like a blind auction for the shout out, you can do all these like little things. You can have like yeah, like vote on the topic or the one of these four tough questions that the, you know, person that I'm hosting has to answer. I'm, I'm making this stuff up where they like one is like direct engagement, one's community, one's for content, one's to listen, one's optional or like have a special button that people can click. And it like it's almost like the fan meter, but it's like the enjoyment meter that you know which part of stuff like I'm just making not making these up. We've thought about them a lot, but like these are just the beginning things. You can do anything and people are going to try all these new different approaches. So. I think the fact that that's already happening um, is pretty incredible. And it's not just because Bitcoiners want to try it. That's not the reason why they're doing it. They're doing it because of the stuff you're doing. And so it applies everywhere. Just not everyone knows about it. And it's not easy enough for everyone to go down that. Yeah. yet. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really exciting. And uh, we're going to wake up one day. I can't tell you if it's a year from now, three years, five years, or like 10 years. And it's like, well, we were too early um, <laughs> okay. and it's all you know, we'll just see, like, there'll be so many things that that we don't even know anyone who knows anyone that's thought of them yet. Yeah. Like, could you imagine? Like,
0: now I'm thinking of like TikTok generation. The big thing on TikTok and Instagram reels is like these, the, these, like, the beats that get played in the back. Like, there's these beat trends or like music trends in there. Like, I mean, what if you have like 13 year olds creating like these beat trends and like they're charging like five sets for somebody to replicate their beat to play on their TikTok? tock like you can have like millionaire like 12 year olds just have access to this stuff and like build it like how does that change we talked about school and university earlier like how does that change just like
1: oh 100 like, uh, like sims mods there's sites with like half a million people still downloading mods for the sims and they get nothing out of it or like photographs that are tossed onto I forget the photo sharing sites that are taking 70% of the funds but they're from an artist that you really know why don't they have their own site so you know where to find it you can pay them directly they're not charging 70% and deciding the pricing It's all subscription and then distribution it's like maybe this awesome photo of like two office people high-fiving is worth more than the other one right yeah i'm i'm joking because like of the stock footage but it's beats. It's mods for games. It's different pieces of art that you like want to use, like the high res wallpaper. That's awesome, right? Um, and so, uh, uh, all those things they're going to flip.
0: The lighting network going to bring back child labor, but the children are going to like the labor.
1: Well, they're making the money exactly, and it's a creative endeavor,
0: right? Right. So think about what that does. Like, what if, like, what uh, if my kids turn like ten and they're making more money than me because they're like know how to engage social media better and like create these tools?
1: I don't know what I'd call that child labor. I'd call it like they're building a business on their own.
0: Yeah. No, uh. but like we for the meme, like we're bringing back child labor. If you're like, oh, that's terrible, and then like they dig into it. It's like, oh no, this is good. Oh, I don't know the meme. I mean, child labor is just a meme in general. Like. He, he's, picture like children working
1: in chimney factories or coal factories and fair enough i haven't seen i haven't seen that one before so i'm like i don't know how to or re- maybe maybe a
0: statement maybe a better way to 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 word it is we're, we're putting the kids back to work
1: okay i'll laugh <laughs> at that one i'll laugh at that one. i'm trying to think of like yeah it's like if instead of like when i was like 13 or whatever burning cds and like weird mixes and selling them and like selling random things online i could have made some beats and done different stuff i probably would have done it um, I was thinking about myself it's like and like accepting credit cards back then online was actually crazy it was like 30% charges uh, to like accept a credit card online it's like 98 7 yeah. just wild and still the 35 to 5% plus all the other fees that they don't tell you about it's sort of bananas
0: yeah well they, they, even I mean because of the nature the open source nature of all this too Like, since the kids don't have to ask for permission they don't have to spin up an LLC they don't have to nope um, they don't have to get a bank account get a credit card like how
1: does that change like yeah and the computer and their pen can run the node. yeah Just, I'm I'm joking but like you know it's like we think of how powerful phones are right now think about you know what they'll be able to do yeah
0: it's gonna be fascinating it's been a fascinating conversation Jared I've had a blast I'm happy we did this we're gonna have to do it again what um What should the freaks know about MASH that we haven't talked about yet?
1: Um, We've just opened up our platform so people can sign up and start earning and get all their stuff set up, get a lightning address if they want. And just I think that's it. Getmash.com. Just go to guides and there's like a start button and you can test it out. Um, I'm trying to think of what else to show. You can uh, follow us at at GetMASH on Twitter. I'm Jared NXX, Uh, we'll link to all this in the show notes okay fair enough so I'll stop doing that but I think the cool things that we've launched is um, we've launched some bitcoin books um, uh, where you like paper chapter I think they're cool to check out and like yeah I think it's just take a look at what we have we'll have some links on our side and uh, we'd love to get all your feedback and what you love what you hate and and everything else in between well thank you for doing what you do I think it's really going to push the
0: space forward and bring the monetized web that we've been talking a lot about on this podcast to more people i mean it's been happening but like i said i'm extremely happy that somebody uh from a product standpoint of your caliber has come and focus your energy on this because i think the experiences that you're building are going to make it easier which is the biggest problem with bitcoin is just not as easy as it yeah. can be
1: yes I, mean, I appreciate the compliment we'll find out let's let's leave the jury out for what we do, um, find out find out if I'm good, but it's really a team. I'll say it's a t- it's the entire team. Um, the data of us working really really hard, uh, and hopefully I can help with some of our big decisions.
0: Oh yeah, well let's go have a fun week here in Austin. It's Wednesday. There's a lot of activities lined up between now and the end of the weekend. Uh, it's, the vibes are high already here in the Commons.
1: Yeah, uh, Commons is awesome. Um, so it's my first time here. Austin, I love. I've been here I think it's my fourth or fifth time, and I'm excited for Biplop Boom and this whole week. It's uh, It's exciting.
0: Yeah. We're gonna go enjoy ourselves, freaks. You enjoy yourself. Peace and love. Okay.